Good morning. Good to see each of you out to Sunday school this morning on this rainy, but nevertheless still beautiful morning. Amen. Good to be in the presence of the Lord today, and uh, we trust that uh, our time of Sunday school will be a benefit and our worship service today, all of it pleasing to the Lord. That's why we're here. We're here to worship him, and that should be our goal and our focus this morning. All right, let's get our song books, or hymn books, and turn to number 367. 367. And let's sing, I know God's promise is true. For God so loved this
Thank you, Crystal. Have you trusted? Have you tested? Have you tried it? Yes, we have. And we know that his promises, plural, are true. Amen. Used to sing a little chorus in the Cayman Islands. I believe it went something like this. Every promise in the book is true. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Now that doesn't rhyme, so I missed something somewhere. I think it's every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I thought of that little chorus while we were singing the song this morning. All right. So we have a good lesson today. January 28th, Brother DeStefano will be teaching our lesson this morning, so let's remember him in prayer. The lesson is God's unchanging purpose. Key verse of our lesson this morning, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. The central truth, God has purpose to save all who trust him by faith. It's, it's wonderful to know that God thought about us long before we ever came into existence. And uh, he created man to serve him from the very foundations of the world. And what a wonderful thought this morning. And he's still looking out for us. And uh, we can trust him. All right, so we have a lot of announcements to make this morning. Uh, youth convention going on today. That's where many of our young people are and will be throughout this day. So let's remember the youth convention. Uh, I, the one service I was able to watch was uh, just absolutely wonderful. So I know they're having good services and uh, good preaching. Boy, that uh, Spanish fella, he sure can preach, can he? <laughs> wow. And I think it's his daughter, right? It's his daughter that's interpreting, uh, you know, and it... it, it, it I guess probably, you know, she would know her dad best. Uh, but it seemed like every move that he made, she made exactly the same. And uh, so, oh boy, fantastic. I don't, I don't see how they can do it. I've, I've often wondered what it would be like to, uh, you know, do that, have someone in, uh, interpret for someone. In my case, it would be. Uh, but good services, good services. So we thank the Lord for that. Um, let's remember uh, the camp, God's Missionary Camp, closes out today. Uh, so that, that was good, too. I think I was able to listen to some of that as well. And so uh, we thank the Lord for that. Um, bus conventions coming up in March 5 through 7. And then there's a few events listed in our bulletin as well. Uh, Penview Revival, IHC, Mount of Blessing Cleanup Day, 
and camp meeting. Boy, you know, I was really excited when I got to that. I'm thinking, wow, this is good. We're getting there. And uh, so, so warmer things are ahead. So uh, let's, let's remember that in our announcements. Okay. Birthdays and anniversaries. Looks like we just have one today. Brother DeStefano, Dave DeStefano. So uh, let's remember that. All right, we need to look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let's remember our pastor and his wife. Is, they're busy cooking and cleaning up. I think they'll be headed home tomorrow. So let's uh, remember them in prayer. Let's uh, remember Jacinda Mason. The Lord would give her a full touch quickly, quickly. We have a lot of shut-ins. Let's remember them in prayer this morning. Uh, other people are sick. My wife was planning to be here this morning. And uh, we have Marcus this weekend, and he's sick. So pray for him this morning. Um, let's remember our teachers this morning, Brother Stefano upstairs. Remember our teachers downstairs as well. Remember our bus ministry, those that are working with uh, the bus ministry. Remember uh, uh, Pastor Brenheiser this morning as he uh, speaks to us and is in charge of our services today. Uh, let's keep him and his wife in prayer. All right. Let's continue to remember those, some of you right here this morning that we've been praying for, Sister Doris and uh, Sister uh, Naomi and uh, others this morning here uh, that we've been, been praying for you. Let's keep remembering them. Is there something you would like to mention this morning before we go to prayer? Let's remember our nation today. Uh, that's something we should be praying for every day. And uh, remember our missionaries as well. I, uh, I have a list of missionaries that uh, I try to pray for. And uh, I probably don't get to all of them every day, but uh, we should remember our missionaries, whether they're here in our own land or uh, in uh, foreign lands. I'm looking this morning to see if we have a church of the week. Do we do? Do we have one? All right, there it is. Penn's Valley. Penn's Valley, God's Missionary Church, Nathan Walter. All right, let's remember them this morning. All right. I know if I ask for hands, we have a lot of needs. Everyone has needs on their hearts this morning. You know, there's some things we just can't share, but I'm glad that we can go to God this morning and we can share everything with him. All right, let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's bow our heads and let's all pray together this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning for your wonderful love. We thank you for your mercies. And we're glad that we can be here today to worship you in the uh, beauty of holiness, Lord. We're so glad 
for your uh, gracious, kind, wonderful mercies to us. We would not be here if it were not for you today. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for your plan of salvation. We're glad that it still works. We're glad the blood is still flowing today for those that have spiritual needs. And Lord, we think of the, the number of requests this morning that have been in our bulletin and people in our own church here, Lord, that we've been praying for, Sister Doris and Sister Naomi and others, Lord, our shut-ins that are not able to get out anymore that we know very well would be here if they were able to. And I pray this morning that you would just have your way Help us in this Sunday school hour. Be with Brother Stefano as he teaches this morning. Remember each teacher that is laboring downstairs, helping our bus ministry, those, Lord, that are involved in that. And then, Lord, we bring our missionaries to you. I pray that you would be with each one that is laboring, whether it be in a, in a foreign field or right here on our homeland. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and make their work Lord, to be effective. And then we think about our nation, Lord, and the trouble that we're in. We're glad, Lord, that you care about us. And that you said, if your people, if you were talking about your people, Lord, and that's us. And if we would fall on our faces, Lord, and pray and ask for forgiveness, that you would heal our land. And we know that revival starts in our own souls. Revival starts in our homes. Revival begins in our churches, Lord, and if we can see revival in our, even in our conservative holiness movement, what a difference it would make in our country. I pray for our leaders today. Lord, I ask that you would help me with Brother Denver as he brings the messages today. I pray that you would encourage him and help him and, and help us to pray, Lord, for him today. And remember Brother Spangler, Sister Spangler, I ask that you would give them strength today as they finish up the camp. Lord, I pray that you would help down there at the camp meeting and other camp meetings that are coming up here soon. I ask that you would have your way. Lord, I pray for the youth convention today. Get honor and glory to your name, Lord, and may it be a success for you, Lord. Just be with us throughout this day, and we'll give you thanks, Lord. We'll give you praise for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. Camp meetings, one right after the other, pretty much in Florida. This is that time of year. And uh, so remember the God's Missionary Camp today, and then uh, I believe Camp Freedom has already started. So uh, let's remember Camp Freedom. Let's pray for Stephen Sarah Miller while we're doing that. They're involved there at Camp Freedom. And then uh, next weekend, I believe Hope Sound starts. And then uh, uh, later on in February, uh, they start down at the Fort Myers Rescue Mission. So just one right after the other. Good time to be in Florida. <laughs> good time to live there. It's about the only good time to live there. <laughs> oh, I, 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 enjoyed, I enjoyed living in Florida. But there were others in my household that didn't. Uh, but good time of year there, let's just put it that way. All right. Ushers will come. We'll receive our Sunday school offering. And then uh, we will turn the, the Sunday school right over to Brother DeStefano.
loud enough. Can you hear me? What? Put it up higher. Okay. This gives me a chance to complain to you. Because what? Uh, some of you could tar talk a little louder when you testify. <laughs> Because I hardly know what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, you get someone in here that's sort of who's been a preacher or who is a preacher, they can uh, really, you know, put it out. Anyway, that's my complaint. All right. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. I need your help today in this lesson. Help us to, all of us to be good learners and all of us to be uh, attentive to your word. Help us. We need you, Lord. Each and every one of us. Answer prayer for all the things that have been requested already this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God's unchanging purpose. What is God's purpose? Um... I told you this before. Uh, this was about, oh man, it must have been eight or ten years ago or something like that. At the old Lewisburg High School. They have a new high school now. We've been in that building for uh, seven or eight years or something. I don't know, five, six, I don't know. I don't remember. I lost track. Because I've been working in so many different schools. And in the classroom in the old high school, in a biology class, out of the blue, this boy asked me, this high school student, Mr. D, what is the purpose of life? I said, the purpose of life is to glorify God. I think maybe even somebody in the classroom said amen, but anyway... He, wanted, he asked me, so I told him. But that's our purpose here on this earth. Yeah, it is. It's to bring glory to God, because this is only a short little life. Shakespeare said, this little life is rounded with a sleep. And uh, life is but a poor player who struts and frets this hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. He's full of sound and fury, signifying nothing, right? I hope maybe mixing up different lines from Shakespeare. All right. Not really. I hope we signify something. <coughs> but Mr. Shakespeare seemed to have an un, a pretty good idea about human nature, what people are really like. Because he never let the evil people get away with things, it seems to me, in any of his plays. All right, anyway, the first section of our lesson is election and the promise of God. Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 13. 
Romans chapter 9, as though we, <laughs> not as though, we, not as though the word of God have taken, I think I printed this wrong on my computer. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are all Israel which are, for they are not all Israel, Israel which are of Israel. Okay. So in the earlier verses before this, Paul is lamenting that the unsaved condition of many of the Jews. Uh, and he goes on to write that not all the Jews have departed from the promises of God. Not all of them. He explains that to be a true Israelite, one is in the family if one embraces the promise of Isaac's calling. I will get into that. All right? In verse 7, he says, Neither because they are of the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. The last part of this verse is a direct quote, right out of Genesis 12, 21 12. Paul's quoting right back the Old Testament. And you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. I didn't come to do away with the law. People say, oh, that's the Old Testament. No, no. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with that. I came to fulfill it. Okay? So here's Paul quoting from the Old Testament. And uh, he says, because... A Jew is a descendant of Abraham. It does not bestow salvation on him or her just because they're a descendant of Abraham. You have to embrace the promise of salvation through Messiah, Christ Jesus. The promise of salvation through the Messiah, Christ Jesus. Not because you're a Jew. That doesn't make you uh, give you salvation. You know, although being a Jew... It's a good thing. Uh, many of my friends in high school, maybe most of them were Jews. Uh, my best friend in high school, David Bloom, was a Jew. And uh, so, you know, I love them. They're good people, they're great people, they're fun people, they're smart people. Uh, and my neighbor is a blessing. I mean, my neighbor is a Jewish man. He lives right next door to me. And uh, he's a good neighbor. He's friendly. No, I don't, not all my neighbors are friendly. Not all, neighbor, not all of my neighbors are friendly. Uh, some of them are. I appreciate that. Some of them, they don't even wave. They don't even acknowledge your presence when you drive by. You know. Why? I don't know. They just don't. So, in verse 8, Paul writes here, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. How about that? Just because you're of the flesh, you are a descendant of Abraham, doesn't make you the child of God. But you who have faith in the promise of God, they are accounted for the seed. Isn't that something? It's the promises of God. It's faith in God. It's, it's embracing what God has 
shown you for salvation and you cleave it to yourself, you embrace it, you have faith in it. Can Jews experience Christian salvation? Yes. And that is what Paul is saying in these verses. I remember a guy at GBS when I was a student at God's Bible School, a Jewish, Jewish young man, who got saved and uh, loved the Lord and was serving the Lord. He was, but he was a Jew. Okay. So yes, they can be, they can be Christians, and what Christians they can become. They can become wonderful Christians. The Jews are the children of the flesh, but that does not save them in eternity. We as Christian believers, <coughs> excuse me, are the children of the promise. That's us. And that fact can also be embraced by Jews who are Jews by inheritance. Okay? Now, this is not an easy chapter to talk about. There might be some things in this chapter that you wonder about or have wondered about, but we're going to try to look at them and um, see what there is here in the Scriptures for us. Verse 9, he writes, For this is the word of promise. <clears throat> at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. All right? So God decides how salvation is going to be brought about. God decides how we're going to get saved. How he's going to show us salvation. It's not a ritual. The Old Testament rituals were very important. And when they departed it from them, when they departed from the rituals of God, they got into big, big trouble. Okay, but it's not the rituals that say. It's not even a matter of inheritance. In the final revelation of God's plan, there is no declaration of physical pedigree. Even though Christ is a descendant from Isaac. He is a descendant of Isaac. Okay. Salvation is brought about by love the love of God through Jesus Christ to all mankind. God declared that Sarah shall have a son, and he did, and she did. She did have a son. <clears throat> and then in verse 10, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, then it goes on. This is a long, long sentence here. I guess it goes all the way down to verse 13 all the way down to verse 12 or 13. And not only this, but Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. Isaac now carries the prophecy. Rebekah has two sons, and it's not the firstborn ordained to carry on the inheritance of the prophecy. Usually the firstborn is the one who is going to be the leader, who's going to be the one, uh, the leader of the family, you might say. The one who is the inheritor. But God allows a usurper, Jacob, to carry on the fatherhood of prophecy of the coming of Christ. God decided. 
Not just by some kind of inheritance that the Jews are used to. No, God turned things around. He decided. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God allows things to happen in our lives. Sometimes things can happen in our lives uh, that are uh, difficult. Difficult. God allows them to happen in his sovereign will. And things seem to work out from that. Isaac now carries the prophecy. So here comes the younger son, Jacob. Isaac, uh, uh, he was the second born of these twins, I guess you could say. All right? And um, Esau is the older one. He's the firstborn, and here comes Jacob. He's the one that's going to carry this on. God decided that this is the way it had to be. Even though this guy Jacob... He was a real deceiver. Well, why did God allow the, the prophecy, well, allow the 12 tribes of Israel to come from Jacob? He had his purpose in that. Verse 11, For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It's not of works. So this very long sentence here begins in verse 10, continues, continues onward here. And um, so Rebecca conceived and had the two boys, the twins, and they, they were not yet born. Even before they were born, we know that what happened... The elder Esau served the younger, Jacob already talked about this. It was through the character of Jacob as a deceiver that God brings about a turn of events that gives us the 12 tribes of Israel. We see that the tribe of Judah, out of which Jesus emerges later, years later, demonstrate that it's not by the works of the law, laws of inheritance and so forth, who should be the heir, that the provision of salvation comes. It's not by the works of law. God said, I'm going to do it another way. I am sovereign, and I know what I'm doing. So, you know, sometimes people don't really want to embrace the fact that God knows what he's doing. Um... Sometimes you see these girls, maybe in the high school, who want to look like a boy and act like a boy. Excuse me, God knew what he was doing when he made you a girl. You're going to look up at God and say you made a mistake? Or some boy that wants to act real femi, you know, or something like that. You know, no, God. God wants you to be. In fact, the Bible says you should act like, if you're a man, act like one. The Bible actually says that in the Bible several times. Uh, no, if they get this thing all turned around, they don't, they don't know anything about God. They know almost nothing about God. <clears throat> I told you about the guy 
in one of my class. I told you about this before, right? Maybe. I had a boy in class, and it was, uh, there were just the two of us in this classroom because it was a um, learning support kind of thing. And I don't know why, but out of the blue, this guy says to me, sitting there, this high school guy, he says, Mr. D, are you religious? Did I tell you about that before? <laughs> he said, he says, are you religious? I said, well, yeah, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I said, you know, and I told him I'd been to Bible college and different things. And I said, uh, I go to church, or I guess I told him that. And, and I said, Did you, do you go to church? He said, no. I, I said, have you ever been to church? He said, I think maybe I was in church once. Well, folks, this is a Christian nation? You know, supposed to be. How many other people are like that? They have not even been in church once. One time. Heard the preaching of the gospel. Learned that there is such a thing as God to whom we pledge in the high schools and different schools or whatever. Uh, on one nation under God. Don't they think about what that's saying? I don't think very many of them do. So it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. It says in verse 12, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. Shall. It shall be that way. And God's working it all out. That the law of inheritances, the law of inheritances would not be the deciding factor. But God's provident will. Verse 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Now that's a tough one. You say, God hates somebody? This is uh, also written back in Malachi, verse, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. That's where this comes from. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. In the great book of Malachi... Some people ought to take a little more time and read the book of Malachi. I'm not criticizing you, but there may, there may be people out there in the world, uh, especially concerning finances, should read the book of Malachi where it talks about tithing and what a blessing it is to tithe. But anyway, it is written. Now those are very important words. Jesus said that when he was getting rid of the devil in the wilderness. It's written. It is written. And the devil had to run away. It says here, I hated. <clears throat> That's a difficult phrase. Regarding God's feelings towards any person. And actually the translation of that word hated here in the New Testament actually means Loved less. He loved Esau less. They still loved him. We get into the next section here. Election and character of God. Romans chapter 9 verses 14 through 18. Election and the character of God. <clears throat> Verse 9, 14, chapter 9, verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. 
Now, there may be some people who would come to the wrong conclusion. Maybe they're confused by the words, Esau have I hated. And if you don't analyze these words for their meaning, uh, it may really worry some Bible believers why God would have said this like he did. Verse 15, For he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Is God unrighteous? God forbid. Now we go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verse 18. Moses asked God to show him his glory. You remember this. And in verse 19, God says that he will make all my, his goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And I think generally God is saying here, I am going to be gracious to everyone. Because I, that's my will. <clears throat> Isn't that God's will? And I'm going to show mercy on everybody. Isn't that God's will? God says, I will do these things. He's not picking and choosing. He's making a general declaration. I will have mercy on who I will have mercy. And who is that? That's everybody. I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And we know God's will, that this is his will, that he is a God of compassion on all of mankind. And uh, you know, the greatest way that God showed this compassion and this love, for God so loved the world. People are looking for love. Does anyone love me? Does anyone care about me? Is there anyone who can really help me? Everybody's asking that. Everybody in the world is asking that. Is anybody going to look out for me? <clears throat> God will. If we trust him. God showed this love in Christ's passion and death and resurrection. <clears throat> That shows that he will have mercy on whoever he wants to have mercy, and that's everybody. <clears throat> so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. You can't will yourself to salvation. Someone said to me one time, I said, you know, I made up my mind to serve the Lord. And this person said, well, all you did was change your mind. Well, yeah. Excuse me. That's what you do when you get saved. You change your mind. Right? Yeah. 
Of course that's what I did. But it was not just that. There was a real change. You knew it in your soul. Oh, yeah. You, but, uh, but on the other hand, you can't just will yourself to salvation. You have to give yourself to Christ. You have to, yes, have the will to do it. But it's more than that. It's trusting. It's having faith. It's not by some exhausting act of self-punishment or <clears throat> being super busy all the time. It's not him that runneth, in other words. God, through the Holy Spirit, draws us to him. And it's an act of mercy towards the sinner. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, does this and that and doing all these things, but God that shows mercy. What's the title of our lesson? Let's go back there to the title of the lesson. God's unchanging purpose. What is he trying to do with us? How is he trying to help us? Now we go back to Pharaoh in the Old Testament, verse 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. <clears throat> we go back to the Old Testament again here. And um, <clears throat> even before Pharaoh became king, He knew that he would have a hard heart. <clears throat> How? Why? Because they were shaped by pagan religion. Shaped by pagan worship and ritual. It's something how they, they worshipped back in that day. And what they believed back in that day. And what they believed about the afterlife. So when they went into King Tut's tomb, the young king who died, he was about 19 when he died, and they found incredible treasures in there. I mean, the whole mask of the king was of, I guess, solid gold. I mean, everything, a lot of things were gold and precious and beautifully designed, things that they found in the tomb of this king because they had chariots there for him to use in the afterlife. And arrows. He was a warrior king. A boy king, they called him. But really, he was a warrior. Uh, and all this stuff for the afterlife. You know, he was going to do all these things in the afterlife, you know, they thought. Um, so here comes Pharaoh, steeped in the pagan religion. And God knew, God knew. He was so steeped in this that he would, he would be, have a hard heart toward the Israelites. <clears throat> but the struggles of these Israelites and their victory is storied even until today. I raised you up to show my power in you. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will. 
he hardeneth. Because Pharaoh was going to have a hard heart anyway, steeped in the pagan religion. Whom, whom will he have mercy on? He will have mercy on those who sincerely repent and trust in Christ. That's, who, that's on, on whom God will have mercy. Who does he harden? He hardens those who he knows will have the disposition to oppose God no matter what. They resist God. And there's nothing that's going to change them. Then we get into the third section here, the election and responsibility of God. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? God knows where the fault will inevitably be. There are those who have the disposition to resist his will. They just do. They resist his will. They have that disposition. Thou will say unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? There are people who resist God's will. And they die without God. Sad. Nay, but a man, who art thou that repliest against God? Paul writes here. God shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And we have to accept God's will for our lives. There are some people who grow up in a home that is filled with violence. There are some people who grow up in a home that's full of loving kindness and tenderness and good teaching and patience. It takes a lot of patience with children. I see that in the public schools. I keep talking about the public schools, I know. <laughs> but, you know, you just have, okay, they're boys, they're girls, you know. That's, all, that's what the way they are. They're a little goofy sometimes, or they want to be silly, or they're lazy sometimes. Uh, they are tricksy sometimes. Like to pull little tricks and little jokes and little gigglings that go on in the classroom, you know, or something. Now, I told you this before, we are really getting after these young people who have phones, and you put that phone away. We're working on something else right now. Put your phones away. It's like an umbilical cord, if you'll excuse me saying. It's attached to this thing. Can't get rid of this thing. You know? <laughs> and, you know, we all have our phones, and most of you do. I mean, I have my phone here, and... So I adjust my hearing aids with this so that I can hear people testify a little better, I guess. <laughs> hear the preaching, you know. Uh, yeah. So, so, um, 
children, young people, all of us. You know, we all have our quirks and our ways. But God, you see, knows what he's doing. Um, some people grew up in, in that kind of a home where there was loving kindness, but there's some people who grew up in poverty, didn't have much, didn't have a lot of clothes, didn't have a lot of food in the house. Oh, yeah. There, there are homes where they, have, they pay absolutely, absolutely no t- attention to God. They may have full of wealth and fame, but they have paid no attention to God. I once uh, cared for a gentleman who was very wealthy. I told you about that. Um, and his wife, she was not in good shape, but her mind was alert, but he was, in, he was a robust kind of guy a little bit, but his mind wasn't there. So I was taking care of him. And I think once, and one time she said to me, I think she was frustrated. And she says, says, "Uh, David, do you ever swear? Do you swear? I said, no. (laughs) Because I guess she'd get some anger sometimes she'd swear. But I'm not sure how much of a relationship she had with God or how much relationship he had with God before he was losing his mind. There he was. Didn't have a nickel in his pocket, I don't think but worth a fortune, worth a fortune. I mean big money. I mean old money, okay? I'm talking about a house that was full of paintings from uh, artists, you know, hanging on the wall. Now, if I remember right, Thomas Sully, the famous painter, painted a picture of George Washington on a horse and it was hanging behind us when we were eating in their dining room under the big chandelier, you know. I would be in the dining room eating with them. And this painting was probably worth millions hanging on the wall. But what did they really have? There are people who have everything, and yet they do not have everything because they don't have the Lord. And there's a gap in their lives somewhere. There's an empty spot that needs to be filled with God. But so everybody, people grow up in different situations. Who are we to reply against God? He formed us, and are we going to say to him, why did you make me like this? And all this ridiculous Stuff that's going on today. Trying to make people who are white feel like they're, they're evil because they're white, a white person. Am I going to look up to God and say, you made a mistake? It's just so ridiculous. Worthy of ridicule. Ridiculousness. Okay? Let's move on here. Verse 21. I'm not afraid I'm not going to get done. <clears throat> Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel to honor and another unto dishonor? God has complete control over our lives. Did you notice that? God has complete control over your life. And it's all, somehow, we don't understand why or how, it's all for his glory. God raises up power, uh, he raises up to power whom he will raise up. 
And God places others and other people in very humble places in life. But he loves them all. And they all fit into his purpose. Verse 22, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted under discretion? Paul asks, what if God is patient and has no concern that his power will not be known? It will be known. God's patience will be known. Verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had aforetime prepared under glory. God's mercy and his compassion are all characteristic of his rich glory that he has made known. God uses vessels of mercy, charities, missionary organizations, churches, Christians, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but of the Gentiles. Now here's the truth of all this perplexing writing of Paul. The plan is for us as Christians to show God's mercy to other people. When you get a chance, talk about God, Bring God to their mind and his love for all. And it doesn't matter about their circumstances. So let's take a look at ourselves. See ourselves as God's purpose for this world. And continue to examine scripture that guides us to know his, his will for us. Thank you for your attention today.